RLC founder Dave Evans spends time with partners, clients, and friends in the USA talking about all things business. If you are an inspiring business owner, an entrepreneur, a CEO, or a coach who wants real advice about what to do in business today and wants to hear frank conversations, then this is the show for you. Real life consultations, challenges, and ideas from all around the world. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consultivation. Looks like we are live. Consultivation is back after a two-week break, and we are so excited in season two as we introduce a new feature to the program. Now, I am on good authority, Eric, that we have Kevin Turnbull with us in a moment. He's almost arrived. He's trying um, to do that. But we have, we have a guest with us today, um, and, and I wonder if, if, if you would be kind enough to introduce yourself while I bring up your name on screen. So, um, who are you? Absolutely. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Hi, Eric. My name is Colette Bell. I'm the Vice President of Franchise Development for Ace Handyman Services. Now, Eric, does that mean we have to say, you know, Madam President, kind yes. of, that type of thing? <laughs> is, that, is that what that means, No. no. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Now, a uh, couple of things about today's um, episode. The theme is about the second half of the year. And, and we're looking forward to talking with you in a short while, Colette, specifically about your business. But in the meantime, let, let's have a think about why, why, why is June important, do you think, in the context of a calendar year? Eric, do you have any thoughts? Well, you know... From a personal experience, I always like to set goals for the year, and I think it's important to always look back on those mid-year and say, where am I at? Have I accomplished what I set out to accomplish for the year? What do I need to readjust on? What do I need to change targets on? But I think it's a, it's always good to reevaluate whether you do that on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, or semi-annually. I just think it's a good practice. Do you think, as, as you look at this year, and, and we're still in this world where COVID is still relatively rampant, um, do, you, do you think it's really important for people watching this to think about how to, you know, allow for a June lag almost as you go into July, which is the second half? Do you think that's a real thing or am I just making it up? You know, I don't think you're making anything up. I think, you know, you're starting to see as the world opens up after COVID, people are trying to figure out what makes sense. I've talked with lots of clients and I've had one client where a lot of the employees don't want to come back. They enjoy the flexibility of working at home, the elimination of commuting time. But at the other hand, I've talked to employers where the employers want their people back in the office. And so I think there's going to have to be some kind of compromise, something that works for both parties. And that's a very different place than where we've ever been in the past. Um, you know, there really wasn't much choice. And now that we've experienced it and lived through it for so many months or a year, I think people now say, hey, this this can work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we have to retain this life lesson that we are thinking differently and what seems seems to already be a, a relatively awful normalized situation yeah 
Um, how, how is um, Ace Handyman Services dealing with this, Colette? That's a really great question. So um, Ace Handyman Services went through the pandemic with everybody else, which of course had its sets of challenges. Um, to Eric's point, our business model was already a little bit different if you think about the handyman business, because we weren't bringing craftsmen into an office in our franchisees businesses. We were going out to customers' houses. So our workforce had always been segmented in that way. So we weren't so much impacted that way. However, you can imagine, especially in the early days of the virus and the unknowns of the virus, um, customers were not comfortable having craftsmen come to their homes. And on the same side, our franchisees were not overly comfortable putting their craftsmen's health at risk by sending them yeah. to customers' houses. So we did see for sure um, a pretty much significant closure or, or significant downturn in our franchisees' business in March and April of last year as things got sorted out. Um, we were very fortunate to be a part of the ACE hardware system. So for in terms of supply management, we were able to get to all of our franchisees face masks and gloves and sanitizer, which was really, really um, integral to getting us back into customers' homes. We were able to get that to franchisees by the middle of April. So our franchisees were able to uh, bounce back quite a bit. And then as everybody knows, um, when you're staying at home, it makes sense to look around more than you ever have before and do some things around the house. Yeah. So, so we've been in a fortunate industry. We're essential. Um, we're in the house where now a lot of customers are because they're not going to the office, like Eric said, every day. And so they're available to have us come in and do their work. And on top of all of that, we rebranded our handyman business under Ace Hardware's umbrella in March of 2020. Um, and to have such a recognizable brand on top of the franchise business has led to not only good growth for existing franchisees, but new franchisee growth has been significant as well. So. Yeah, Dave, I think Nicole brings up, a, I mean, um, Colette brings up a really good point in that it really depends on the industry, right? Yeah. It depends on what you do. If you're already not in an office, you know, I, I deal with a lot of restaurateurs. Their difficulty is, you know, getting employees back into the workplace because they need them there. And because of some of the social programs, they're not even able to get people to come back to work. So there's different aspects depending on the industry that you're in that are impacting employers yeah. right now. And, you know, Restaurants, yes, they're going to do some to go. They're going to do but the full service type restaurants. I mean, it's not like you can work from home and cook a meal. That's uh, right. It's just not going to work. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. And now, I do think we've seen a, a bit of a um, intake of the business breath, so to speak, in both yeah. May and June now. Um, because people are starting to go back. You're right, Eric. Yeah. And, and people are trying to sort that out and figure out what does it mean for them personally? Of course, you know, in the United States, kids are out of school. Um, and so now we've got, you know, are they, can they go to summer camp? Where are they gonna be if I go back to the office? How does all those intricacies work? And then, like you said, that just the hesitation day because it, the pandemic isn't over. Um, I think we're all smart enough at this point to recognize that we're just into the next phase. And right. so we have to sort of figure out what that means. And we, we in, in the franchise industry in general, and certainly for us, we did see a slowdown in May. Um, June has started to pick back up again, but I do think people were just trying to sort through everything in May and June as well. Yeah. 
Now, if you're, if you're watching this, we are getting reports of a keyboard sound that we can't explain. <laughs> um, now, hopefully, if, if, if the software platform we're using, StreamYard, is also noticing this live in some miraculous way, um, it would be really great if the tech geniuses could set about fixing this. This is quite strange. And thanks yeah. to Debbie for bringing that to our attention. Yeah. We are going to put out to the LinkedIn audience in a little while, ask, collect a question. So um, hopefully somebody will be typing for real. So that will come up in our comments. <laughs> if you're watching this live, you can ask a question. I know Debbie is, so that's great. So we should at least get one, Colette, right? Right. Now, <laughs> the, I'd like us to stop for a moment and really think about this second half. Now, we all know in, in the world of sports, you know, I think the second half comes from a lot of European sports more so than American sports. <laughs> we have quarters and, right. you know, the longest sports games in the world. You know, <laughs> nine, nine innings of baseball, you know? Right. Hey, it's the bottom of the nine. You know, I, I remember once watching uh, watching the Denver team play and at eight, the start, the top of the eighth innings was 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> And I thought a nil-nil draw in soccer was bad. Yeah, it sounds like a soccer game, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. That particular match, though, did finish something ridiculous, like 8-2 um, in the final one-and-a-half innings. Which I guess, I guess we should, by this point, we'd left, by the way. Um, but how many times have you seen in the sporting arena, you know, a natural break arrive? The team that's absolutely getting thrashed does something at half-time or in, in an interval, and the energy of the whole thing changes. And we're not saying that we need to make massive changes probably for the next half of the year, but June does give us a chance to insert something, you know, to either add to or to pause even, to change the way the year is going, uh, almost before we hit July the 1st or in the US July the 4th, and, and you start again on the fifth and sixth, right? right. Yeah. And you're six days into the second half before you even begin in America. Right. So right. do you think it's important to think like this? No, I, I love your analogy of the sports because I think about they go in the locker room, what happens? The coach is talking to them. He's connecting yeah. with his people. So I think it's important to reconnect with your people and make sure you understand where are they at? How are they feeling? Are they excited about? Do they understand the direction? Do they understand what goals you have for the company? And I think it's a good time to reconnect with them, make sure everyone's like comes out of that locker room ready to get going for the second half. It just happens to be at second half of the year. Right. But I, I love that analogy. Well, and we've all seen sports teams go in ahead at halftime and come out flat and yeah. lose the game at the end of the day. And so I do also think it's important to, just as you're evaluating maybe what you need to do differently, to be sure that you're also keeping in clear view for employees what's worked and what we need to keep continue maintaining so that we don't lose momentum in the second half of the year. I think sometimes if you if you get a little bit too comfortable, uh, you know, we see that happen with sports teams and they go, oh, we got this in the bag. Um, yeah. You know, you can't you can't rest on your laurels for sure in business. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember once watching um, a soccer player called Stephen Gerrard. He's currently the Rangers manager, and he was playing for Liverpool at the time, and they were losing three 0 at half time. And he'd written this article in the press before, you know, several papers before the match, saying he wants to be like one of the club legends and lift the European trophy. 
And I remember at half time going, you should do less talking and do do the action, right? <laughs> he came out in the second half of that match and won the game himself. Yeah. And and he actually did exactly what I'd criticised him for. But sometimes that intervention yes. is created by a pause. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you both a question, which is, what are you doing um, in the second half? I've needed to insert something into my life in the second half of the year, which has been missing in the first half. And that is a physical challenge. And I've entered Ride the Dragon in Wales, nice. uh, which is a choice of three distances. The longest is 189 miles. The middle one is 211 kilometers. And the one at the bottom end is about 157, all climbing in the, in the Brecon Beacons. So, uh, but I've inserted that into my personal space to drive my fuel gauges during the second half of the year when I'm going to need, you know, physical, nutritional, uh, discipline and skill to see the year out. So, you know, what could you or what are you thinking about ins inserting into your lives in the second half of the year? We'll go to Eric first, Colette, because you're a guest. Okay. So, Dave, we were talking about this before we came on the air. And what I need to do is, and I plan on doing, is just setting time on my calendar, focusing on physical activity. To your point, I mean, um, this is a great time of year to get outdoors, especially in Colorado. And I just need to make sure that I budget that time on my calendar to, to do that. That's that's a that's a great a great initiative, Eric. What, what about you, Kelly? I bet you've got about ten things you're doing in the second half of the year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, mine is is right in line with both of you. Although I'm not big on the physical hard activity, uh, but we do enjoy the outdoors here in Colorado. I'm with Eric, and we do a lot of camping. And you know what? We haven't had the the discipline to do over really the last 18 months with the pandemic is get away from work. Um, you know, when you're working in the house, boy, boundaries are tough to come by. It's so easy to find yourself still at your desk at 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock. I'm an empty nester, so I don't even have kids who are hungry around here. Um, and so I'm really looking forward, at least in the next quarter, to spend some time outdoors, um, again, maybe not doing a ton of physical activity, but enjoying the outdoors and then getting away from the office and, and just rejuvenating, right? It's a time to um, re-recenter yourself and, and get yourself ready for the next, you know, stretch of whether that's a marathon or a sprint, whatever the stretch is that you're coming up in on business. So Totally. That's a great show. And on that note, Colette, we have the magnificent uh, Kevin Turnbull has joined us. Um, <laughs> And live from Kevin, are you in the north of England? Uh, uh, no, I'm in the south of England. Um, I'm sorry about that mess up of the um, logging in, but um, my friend's computer wouldn't let me in, so I had to get my computer. <laughs> I'm in. The, I'm just beside Warburton Abbey, so only Dave would know what that is. Yeah, it's in the yeah. south. So, in, in in terms of Scotland to the south of England, you might get a nosebleed travelling that far down. So, you know, it's quite far away. But in the context of Denver, it's very small. It's a very small distance, isn't it, Kevin? Um, Kevin, if you could just pop your sound <laughs> up or your microphone closer, that'd be great. Uh, so, let, let's talk about Colette. Let's move over to you for a little while, talking about your business, um, Ace Honeyman Matters. How did you end up in the job you're doing today? What what happened? Yeah, uh, I'll give the shortened version of the story. Um, my husband and I started a handyman business back in 1998. 
Um, we franchised that concept in 2001. Um, grew it as a franchise from 2001 um, all the way up until really the September of 2019, at which point we sold the concept to Ace Hardware. So um, Ace Hardware now owns our original handyman business. We rebranded under the brand name of Ace Handyman Services. So we went from Handyman Matters to Ace Handyman Services. And Ace was um, kind enough and, you know, in the business sense, probably smart enough to keep the intellectual capital of the handyman side of the business intact. So not just my husband and I, but our entire corporate staff has remained um, on board. Uh, we Our headquarters are still in Denver. We didn't have to relocate or anything. And we've just pretty much been doing the business we designed way back yeah. in 2001, so. Nice. So as, as a franchisor, what would typically be a good growth performance in a 12-month period? Forget yours for a minute. That's right. What would typically be a stable performance of growth? Yeah, I think if a franchise, and again, we're a mature franchise system since we've been doing this since 2001, but really we put ourselves as a startup because of the new brand name. Um, but really a regular run rate, run, run rate for a lot of standard franchise concepts is going to be about between 12 and 20 franchise sales a year. So bringing on continual new um, locations into your system, getting them launched, getting them successful, and then getting them supported. So. So how many did you do last year then? Uh, last year we welcomed 61 new franchisees into the system. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the same size as some entire systems. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's uh, remarkable. Um, we're really fortunate. You know, the good news was uh, we felt like we knew what we were doing since we had done it for so long, but it, it was certainly a lot of people that we didn't. It was a combination of being an essential business um, people being at home and not being sure if they were going to ever go back to their corporate America job. And then the fantastic brand name of Ace Hardware. So, I mean, so, I, I, so I, Colette, I, yeah. to be successful in that type of an industry, what would you say the top three things are to share with people that is important to, to, to the success? Yeah, great question, Eric. So for our franchisees, the people who run and operate our handyman businesses, um, quite counterintuitively, our first goal is that franchisees do not have a construction background. Um, we really want people with very strong business skills and team leadership skills. Those are harder to teach and we can backfill with the construction background. Mm -hmm. um, our franchise model is an employee-based model. So we hire the craftsmen as W-2 employees. So we need a good leader that's going to create a great team environment for those people to flourish under. Um, mm -hmm. We need somebody who is comfortable following systems. Every franchisor will tell you that, right? We've spent 24 years building a blueprint. We just ask that people follow it <laughs> for success, um, which is harder than it sounds some days. I recognize that. Yeah. And then perhaps a little bit different in our model is we're also looking for people who have a value proposition of giving back to their communities. We're very fortunate to have a profitable business model, but we're also looking for franchisees who want to donate labor, time, effort, events uh, to make their community a better place. And we all know we have less fortunate people who live in our communities yeah. that we can help out. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Stimulated by a great question and capturing those three at the speed of light there, Kev, weren't we? So, again, great insight. But I really like the fact you know who you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take you to work that out? 
Yeah, years would be the answer, of course. Um, you know, in the beginning, we thought it would make sense that somebody who had construction experience would want to buy our franchise. The problem is, and this is the this is the actual of the theoretical, right? They end up working in their business yeah. instead of on their business, right? They pick up the drywall trowel and they go to the customer's house. Um, mm -hmm. And that just leads to a very small business because they don't have time to do the other business activities of growing the business through business development and marketing and hiring more craftsmen and things like that. So um, it took us, I bet Dave, honestly, we started franchising in 2001. I bet we figured things out honestly by about 2006. We went through some pretty big growth in 04 to 06 when the economy was strong as well and made some mistakes along the way. So <laughs> I think we learned after that. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, what do you make of this as, as a, an established, you know, supersonic superstar, you know, ex-CEO listening to this kind of success? What do you think? Well, I think the um, the Ace brand is Ace. Yeah. Um, you know, that gives you instant um, a street cred, I think. Yeah. Um, do you have any uh, in-house franchises? Do you have any owned franchises? Um, ask me again, Kevin. I'm sorry. Do we have do any, have any um, uh, wholly owned franchise? Oh, oh yes. So uh, we do have one, what in franchising they call a corporate store, or corporate yeah. location. We do have one of those in Denver. It's our original business that we started in 1998. So it services kind of our neighborhood and our backyard and where we've always been situated. So. Yeah. And do you use that to pilot new stuff? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, our poor general manager there, Kim, of course, she's like our test kitchen, right? She's the, <laughs> we, we do all of our science experiments in Kim's office. So, you know, all new marketing gets tested through there so that we can do um, data analysis before we roll it out to the system. We test new pay packages through that location. Um, we test new support programs through that location. So it is very beneficial to have. Uh, as a franchise or to at least have one company location that you can use as if you use it as a test kitchen it's it's a great opportunity you know Colette, how many franchises have you got now i missed that yeah so right now we're up to 219 territories wow yeah long range goal is a thousand uh by the end of 2025 um, if we get to a thousand territories in the United States, we will essentially cover every Ace Hardware store. There's about 4,900 of them domestically right now. And one of our territories on average covers four of their stores. So we'll be at a good coverage in about five years. So that's great. So I know in most franchise organizations, there's requirements that you meet certain standards and things like that. How do you evaluate that and how do you enforce that as a franchisor? Yeah, that's that's a tough thing in our our particular model, Eric, you're right, because we're service based rather than if you think of like a restaurant concept, right? We're yeah. all familiar with McDonald's. Yeah, um, they follow a recipe. They get their um, food ingredients from specific vendors. So there's controls. So it's very, it's a lot easier. It's not easy, but it's easier to control. Yeah. In our model, really the brand proposition is the customer's experience. And of course that's gonna be delivered by people. So right there, you've got to struggle. Um, yeah. And every person is different in terms of how they define customer service. So we've spent a lot of years developing a very detailed, what we call service path. It is an eight touch program. We touch every single customer eight times 
and our software keeps track of each of those eight steps no matter who does it so that way we can evaluate success of that and you know we have the greatest critics in our business model and that's the homeowners that we work for oh yeah uh, you know you'll hear quicker from an unhappy customer than you will a happy customer so yeah 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 yeah, I've talked to uh, builders over the years and they always say, you know, I'd rather do spec homes and then sell it than have to do one for a homeowner. <laughs> they are picky. They are. They are. Absolutely. And it's, it, it, but we felt like it was a really needed part of the market when we started the business. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of little moving parts in the world of handyman, but um, the joy of, of helping a customer solve their problem, there's really not a lot like that. So, yeah. So what's the targeted growth this year and what have you done already? So um, at the beginning of the year, our budgeted growth was for 80 new franchises. Um, as of today, we're at 56. Um, so we're on a, a, yeah, an aggressive run rate, which is um, great news, uh, you know, certainly. But it also, as you were talking earlier, Dave and Eric, it gives us the opportunity to take a deep breath in June. We're, yeah. you know, we're not under any stress to make sure that we're going to meet that annual goal. And that gives us the opportunity just to make sure that every single candidate that we bring into the system is the right fit. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not at the stage where we're just worrying about if people can, you know, write the check and fog the mirror kind of a thing. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's phenomenal growth performance. Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. I was going to say, Colette, I'm fascinated by the fact that you've got a, um, you've got a sister brand a franchise brand to a franchise brand. Yeah. <laughs> Eight is obviously a franchise. Yeah. Um, do you expect them to promote you more in store and things, or is that not really happening yet? Yeah, no, great question, Kevin. So you are right. Um, Ace does look like a franchise. We know that they're independently owned and operated and that everyone looks a little bit different. They're actually not technically a franchise. The Ace Corporation is a cooperative. Yeah. So, so every retailer, when they buy an Ace Hardware store, they begin earning shares in the private Ace Corporation. And then at the end of every year, so take for example, 2020, Ace Corporation was a $7 billion business. They ended the year with about $320 million in profits that were redistributed back down to each of the hardware stores based on their shareholder percentages. Wow. Now, what that means for us is when Ace Corporate presented the opportunity to purchase Handyman Matters in the acquisition, the retailers had to vote and they had to approve it because it's their money. Yeah. So they were very um, excited about having us come in. And you're right, it's it's very unlike anything, you know, Home Depot's not done anything like this. Lowe's has not done anything like this. Um, it's, it's pretty unique in our particular end of the hardware retail service-based area. Um, but they were very excited because they wanted to be sure that their customers, the ACE neighbors that shop in their stores, get the best possible service possible through a controlled environment. Yeah. Um, and not only have we had ACE retailers refer customers to our handyman business and also um, put up marketing in their stores for our handyman business, we've actually had seven ACE hardware store owners buy the handyman franchise and add it to their local holdings. So it's it's been an interesting crossover. With yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm fascinated by that cooperative model. I think it's fantastic. Yes, yeah. it's very unique for sure. 
Yeah. Right. It's it's so un-American. It is. Yeah. <laughs> they did start in Chicago, though. I can promise that. <laughs> you know, I've got a I've got a friend in um in the UK who's got a, a business called Green Energy. Yes. Um, and because of his chairman, he makes all his custom his customers um, are shareholders. Ah. Wow. So he's got fifty percent of the company's equity is is um. Are, are, are given to customers when they sign up or they give wow. bonuses um, and it's reserved for the customer part of it all. Now I guess the value can only be unlocked when they either uh, distribute profits or the company right. gets sold. Um, but I just find this a really interesting ownership model. Yes. Yeah. So we, we, have, a, we have a question on LinkedIn. Uh, let's, let's bring it up. You might know the guy. <laughs> Uh, what is the one thing that you've learned and mastered in all these years? I missed a bit out about people in terms of engagement. What, what, what would you say about, you know, the, the critical piece of people engagement in, in, a, in a wonderful structured organization like yours? Um, I would say that you cannot underestimate the power of someone being the right cultural fit. For the business model we all know there's lots of reasons why people get into business there's you know seeking financial freedom or um you know meeting a a status in their lives or you know lot, taking care of their families lots of reasons but um what we have found is if we can truly focus in on somebody being the right cultural fit for our business including that whole give back component that we have as our value proposition um, just about everything else can be overcome with training, um, with communication, with education, you know, but if the cultural fit is not secure, um, it's, it's a, it can sometimes be a very long 10 year contract for sure. How do you determine if they're a cultural fit? What kind of process do you take them through to determine that? Yeah, we, we are very fortunate, Eric, that we have very engaged people at all levels of a candidate's investigation of our business. So, you know, certainly the salespeople who talk to them in the beginning, and let's face it, I'm, you know, I'm a unique kind of a bird since I've been here for 24 years. Yeah. Uh, so I get a good feeling for them. But then when they go through in, in your franchise investigation process, part of the steps are usually to speak to existing franchisees so that you can validate what you're learning about the business and make sure that it's actually true. Um, most people see that as a candidate evaluating our franchise system, but our franchisees are evaluating candidates at the yeah. same time. And they're very vocal. Um, I get emails and phone calls from franchisees who say, love this person, please bring them in. And at the same rate, not sure this is the right fit, not sure they're thinking about the business in the right way, those kinds of things. And then the last thing we do is a, a five, now with the pandemic, we do a five hour webinar with each candidate and our entire executive leadership team. Wow. Um, and you know, that's a lot to ask of executives to set that kind of time aside, especially since we do them every week. Um, but that's really their opportunity to get to know those candidates and make sure that on, you know, all, th all other things set aside, make sure that they're a good cultural fit. Yeah, that's, that's great. So, so if you're watching the show today, Consultivation, this is season two. We have been talking about the importance of June and what can you do in that month to inject some type of action, an intervention, a pause moment maybe, or more action in the second half of 2021. We are going to ask Kevin and Eric to ask Colette a final question in, the, in a moment. 
and you can find us uh, live on LinkedIn where you can also answer some questions. Colette has already shown us about the three important things that she's found dear to her to do running her role and her role in the business of Ace Handyman Matters and making sure that the, their franchisees spend the right time on growing the business to on activities, particularly you commented as well that you on recruiting tradesmen rather than being the tradesman. Right. Um, I also love the fact that if you are watching this in the US and you're thinking, what will I do for my own business? I mean, what better, as Kevin said, a franchise to start with than an ace franchise such as this. So, Eric, what would you like to ask um, Colette? So, um, yeah. Final yeah, you talked earlier about you had a plan to grow by, I think it was 100 or 80 you know, franchises for the year. Can you talk a little bit about your annual planning process, how you go about doing that, and whether you do a mid-year review of it? I'm just curious how you Yeah, it. no, I'll tell you that uh, among all the other things that have come as a benefit of being associated with a huge company like Ace Hardware is we have a fantastic mentor. They call him a brand ambassador. Um, our brand ambassador at Ace Hardware is actually the chief financial officer and the VP of operations. So right Great. there up at the top, um, as you can imagine, Eric, he's all about the numbers and yeah. all about the budgeting and the planning and all that great stuff. Um, so we've learned more about um, annual planning. And then once a month, we have a meeting with him where we look back to see how the prior month went and we look forward to see what we're projecting for the next month. And they've also been very good about helping us recast, which I'll tell you again, never been fortunate enough to be in a situation where we needed to suddenly recast a budget. But when you're growing at the rate we're going, we need to pick up more employees than we thought we were going to need yeah. so that we could stay on top of the support. So they have been instrumental in helping us really that annual planning. And it happens way earlier than I ever thought it did, like October. Yep. <laughs> I'm yep. like, wait a minute, what year are we talking about? Um, and then really <laughs> fine toothing it and then looking at it on a month to month basis. Yeah. So it's been great. Great. Oh, fabulous. And over to you, uh, Mr. Mr. Turman, what do you want to ask Colette? Well, I'm, I'm fascinated by this um, parallel tracks. Um, um, you've obviously built a culture in Ace and Demand Services. Is that the same as Ace Hardware? Or yeah. are, they, are they similar? Are they complementary? Are they, do you believe in the same things? Do you have the same goals and ambitions? Yeah, I, I love that question, Kevin, because it gives me an opportunity to really express what an amazing connection it was for us to have Ace Hardware reach out to us. Um, you know, early in the in the acquisition conversation, and of course, throughout the years, we had spoken with private equity, but never felt like it was a good cultural fit for us. One of the first things we did was start looking up Ace Hardware on a corporate and then a retailer side to learn about the whole cooperative. And I think it's easiest to summarize this by telling you that part of um, the value proposition in an ACE hardware and part of their cultural standards is including the word love. And in the United States with a $7 billion business, you just don't hear very many people using that word. They might mean it. Um, yeah. They typically choose to use other words instead. And that is one of their um, cultural statements that they have on their website that they believe in. And what I tell people is it's amazing, but ACE corporate is just as friendly 
as every Ace Hardware store you have ever walked in and experienced an associate caring for you and taking you to the right place and answering your questions. Um, it's really, and I think part of that, Kevin, is credited to the whole cooperative environment. Um, Ace Corporate works on the behalf of retailers. That's who their boss is. So even the CEO sees his boss as the retailers um, and has to be responsible and accountable to them. So it's been an amazing combination of cultures, for sure. That's great. Um, and my final question to you, Colette, is, um, you know, one of the wonderful things that we all do at RLC is we provide corporate standard tools to the local businessmen. So how important do you think it is for somebody watching this to think about the RLC framework or, you know, whether it's the it's, its original name, the success framework or um, the best version business framework as it is today? What would you say to somebody considering doing that? Yeah, it, it's I can't emphasize how important it is to take the time to do that. Um, we were very fortunate to cross cross paths, Dave, with you early on and have an opportunity to build a success framework for what our business looked like and be able to put into a single document what we stand for and, you know, what our goals are and what our culture is and how we're going to then build everything else around that. And what I would tell people is that that while that activity seems like it's non-revenue generating, it's actually probably your greatest revenue opportunity, um, both for your existing business Oh. We have a temporary sound loss, Colette, but I, I, you're back there. We, okay. we lost you for the last 10 seconds. Okay. I was just saying it's it's the most important thing you could do, not just for your existing business revenues, but for any future, um, whether you're looking to sell your business or combine with merge with a different company or those kinds of things. We would not have been in the scenario we were in had we not had a very strong um framework to operate our business model from and be able to share that with ace hardware when the time was right yeah i think that's a powerful point that she just made dave about you know if you're looking to sell i have a client where he's in the process of looking to sell his business and he's like yeah i really think i need to have the framework done because you know that will help set the stage for any potential buyer yeah yeah 100 and the, the other thing today is i think today's audience when you're hiring and recruiting, so recruiting intentionally or even hiring to fill a gap that maybe has arisen in your team, people are looking for a five-year view. So if you don't have one yeah, and you're busy asking somebody, hey, what, where do you see yourself in five years' time? You know, the cliche interview question. I mean, it's got to be said, if they ask you what you're going to say, um, you know, a cobbled together response to what you think the future might be, as opposed to, as clear as you said, real intentional communication about a dream of what you think is possible. And we heard here today at Ace Handyman Services, a thousand territories is the target. I mean, that's that's insane, isn't it? The scale. So, um, Claire, I just want to take a moment to thank you for uh, talking with us today in the new season of Consultivation and really for giving us your time alongside a big thanks to Eric Swift and Kevin Turnbull who are here most of the time. Although Kevin, you're here for a bit. It's great to have you back, sir. Um, uh, we have been Consultivation. You'll find us on LinkedIn, you'll find us on the internet and you'll find us on the RLC site. Thank you for joining us. And once again, thank you, Colette. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Eric, Kevin, great to see you guys. Yeah, same here, Colette. Great job. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Consultivations, brought to you by RLC Global, helping you become a best version business. If you want any help from the conversations in the show today, please reach out to info at rlc-global.com and one of our team would be delighted to talk with you. Go to rlcglobal.group for more information and free content designed to help you.